Thank you, Pastor Brian. It's really good to have you this uh, evening, and happy Mother's Day weekend. We're continuing our series uh, called Seven, looking at seven key areas of life and uh, how to leave a godly legacy in those areas. That's really what we're about here at, at Fellowship. Our vision for everyone who uh, joins us here as part of our family is that we're all transformed lives and that we're leaving a godly legacy in the lives of others around us. We've looked at these seven key areas of life that we can follow Jesus in these seven areas. We've talked about our spiritual lives, our family, our calling or our work, and then our finances last week. This week, we're going to be talking about our friends, our friends, your relationships. And as we do that, think about, think about uh, the wake of your friendships. When, when you look back at the friends that you've have or had or have now, what is the wake of your life in, in the relationships with people that you've had? What, what, is that, what does that look like? And I think it's important that we look back, what do we want it to be in the future? What do we want it to be? What kind of legacy do we want to leave in the lives of people in the future? I read an interesting article in a business magazine this week. Uh, called a, It was a business in... In England, that's called rent a mourner. And uh, for people who don't have friends at your funeral, you can rent people who will show up and cry over you. And uh, this business uh, for 85 bucks an hour for a person, this has 20 employees from last year to this year, they've increased by 50% in their business. And it's because of all the immigration that's happened to, to, the, to Great Britain recently, where uh, people from Asia, people from the Middle East, uh, they hire people to come and mourn over them because it's a picture, it's a public display of popularity and that people care for you. Now, I don't plan on doing this. And hopefully you're not trying to think, you're not right now taking out your little smartphone and, and Googling rent a mourner for your life. You don't want that. That's not what you want at the end. You want to look back at your life and, and you want to bless the people around you. You want their lives to be better because it came across you. And, and so that's what we want to talk to you about this evening. And the Bible gives us a relationship, a grid. And it, it follows the person and the work of Jesus Christ. The single most important relationship of our lives is with Jesus Christ. And Paul talks about it in Philippians chapter 2. I'd invite you to open up your Bibles at this time to Philippians chapter 2. So you can have it right there. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible, I have no problem with you getting up right now and, and getting one in the back. I'll wait. I don't, I don't mind. Because we want you to see the Bible. So if you don't have one, go up and get one. We'd love for you to, to do that. Did I embarrass you? I don't mean to embarrass you. Just go up. Okay. Uh, Philippians chapter 2. Um, let me start. I'm going to read with the first verse and, and read down to where our anchor verse is. It says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and one mind. Do nothing, here it is, do nothing from selfish ambition um, or rivalry, or excuse me, selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, 
count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. And I'm going to continue on. I know it's not on our on our screen, but it says, but he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Let's just pause there. You see, the pattern for all of our relationships is not what we can get from them. It's what we can give to them. So, so many people want friends before, because of what they want from them. Just like so many people want a romantic relationship for what they can get from that person. And the whole picture that we're given inside of a life with Jesus Christ at the source and center of everything we do is you are to model the person of Jesus. And when you look at Jesus, you see someone who didn't come to get, but someone who gave himself up for us, who did not count equality with God, something to be grasped and to say, aha, it's all about me. But he gave it up, took on the form of humanity, lived perfectly on this world and obeyed the will of his heavenly father by dying on the cross for my sin and yours. We, everything we have with God is because Jesus gave it up for that. Because it's only through Christ that any of us are saved. It's not in our works. It's not in our, our family backgrounds. It's not, in, it's not in the church you go to. It's only in Jesus. And here we're called in our relationships that to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Now, selfish ambition, obviously, is trying to get things from people. But conceited, I had to go back and just, it's been a while since I looked up that word. But in in, uh, Webster's Dictionary, conceit means excessive appreciation for one's own worth or value. (laughs) So don't do things to add on to your image. Friends need to give themselves up for others. And of course, it's the model of Jesus Christ that we have this picture. Now, we live in a culture that values friendship. Unfortunately, the type of friendship is being compromised right now. Facebook has a concept of friends, right? And if you have Facebook, you have friends. And you can friend someone and you can, when, you know, they give you a political post that you don't, you unfriend them. Or when they share something about guns or, or their political, you just, you get frustrated. You get frustrated with people who disagree with you. And it's real easy for you to deal with conflict like, boom. And Google has these circles that you just invite people to your interests of circles and you can Friends around your circles. Again, I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I'm just telling you, this is not the concept that the the scriptures teach us about friendship. Where when we have a problem, we just unfriend, we walk away. No, we're, we're called, we're called into deep relationships with people showing them the love of Jesus. Friends are more than collections. It's not a popularity contest. Friends are the result of daily commitments. Daily commitments. Commitment to love with the love of Jesus. 
Now, I'm going to just say right now, we're going to go through a list here. I don't know if you've ever heard of this book called How to Win Friends and Influence People. How many of you have heard of that? It's written by a guy named Dale Carnegie. And he died back in 19, in the 19, I think it's 1955. He sold over 5 million copies of this book, which back then was this huge number uh, of sales. And it's still something that uh, we hear about a lot today. Well, I'm going to kind of go through it as if my name was Francis Carnegie, the darker brother of Dale on how to lose friends and offend people. And I, I want to show you how to lose a friend tonight. And so if you came here, I'd bet you none of you thought, I hope he teaches me how to lose a friend. And I also want to build up how to make friends. The first one is this. Stay busy. Stay busy. Why? Because friendships take time. French, friends need to be available in our lives. You know, when you're busy and you're hurried, hurry's the enemy to relationship. I, I've been hurried this week. We have one graduating. We have a party that we're getting ready for. And everything's in hurry. Everything's, you know, what did you get this done? Do you get that? And pictures are all getting organized. And it's hurried. And a hurried life hurts relationships. Friendships take time because you share a life. You share a life and you, you spend time and you get to know someone, which takes time. Your relationship with Jesus Christ is threatened when you're hurried in life. It's difficult to grow in a relationship with Christ when you're too busy to meet with him and to search the scriptures and to learn from him and to pray with him and to him. And so we're called to take the time to do that, to be available to God. It affects every relationship in our lives. During the life of Jesus, he came into a home with two sisters, Mary and Martha. And Martha was the busybody. She was really busy. Mary chose to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn from him. We join the story in Luke chapter 10, verse 40. It says, Martha was distracted with so much serving. Is that you? distracted with so much serving. And she went up to him and went up to Jesus and she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Boy, that sounds like a 10-year-old, doesn't it? She's not helping. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. She chose the more important relationship. Serving? Now, serving is good. Nothing, nothing wrong with serving. But if serving distracts from deeper relationships, we need to remember the most important things. Serving is a good thing. We call everyone to serve. But we call no one to be so hurried by serving that they lose a depth of relationship with Christ or with people around them. Now, I'm going to just ask you, no nudge zone, no nudge zone, okay? How hurried are you? What, what decision might be healthy for you to make when it comes to friendships? One of the things I do, and, and I'll be honest with you, if I'm, if I'm not intentional about stepping away from a hurried life, and if I don't make some commitments that are at least weekly with friends, I don't meet with my friends. And so I have a time, Tuesdays at lunch, 
Every Tuesday at lunch, I meet with the same guys. They're some of my best friends. And whether or not they come, I go. And if they don't come, I eat alone. But, but that's what I've just said. I've had to discipline myself to be available for friendships. Or they wouldn't happen. I can't fit them in. I've got three boys. They will occupy every moment of my time. So I have to plan for friendships because I'm a better person. I'm a deeper person when I'm committed to people around me in deeper relationships. You've got to take that time. You've got to be available. You don't want friends? Stay busy. You want friends? Be available. Secondly, tear them down. (laughs) Yeah, you know that friend. So if you want to lose a friend... Don't worry about your words. Be careless with your words. Be cynical. That's a really, really good thing to lose a friend. And sarcasm. So they never know if you're really telling them the truth. Sarcasm does that. Use that. Lift yourself up by stepping down on them. Tearing them down. Why? Because friendships build each other up. Build each other up. Look what Proverbs 4, 24 says. It says, put away from you crooked speech. And put devious talk far from you. It's almost as if the scriptures in, in Proverbs is like that, that we're put off. It's like, take it off. It's like, it's like having mud on you. Clear it off. Put it far away from you. Don't want it on you. Put away crooked speak, devious talks. Proverbs 19.1 says, Better is a poor person who walks in his integrity than one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Paul is just saying that. Look at the value in the church of encouragement. We need to be built up because there's so many places that are tearing us down. This goes undetected, again, if we're unintentional about building up friendships. And you have no idea how many negative words come out of your mouth in a day. And if I were to record them, which I won't, because I'm not the Holy Spirit in your life, it would be amazed, you would be amazed at how many negative, cynical, sarcastic words we use in a day. Versus encouragement, affirmation, building people up. We're called away from broken words that break relationships to put away crooked speech and devious talk far from us. Not to gossip, not to gossip. This means when your friend's right in front of you and this means when your friend has left. In front of them and behind their back. Your speech, your speech is called to build them up. You have a legacy of words. You do. As you focus on Mother's Day, you remember words mothers or fathers have said to you. Your words are remembered. Your words go into the recording of the minds, your children and your spouse and your friends. See, I've learned in the ministry, my words make a huge difference. The words that I share with my congregation here. So if I'm angry out in life, it actually comes across in my preaching. And so all of you are affected when I go angry with my life. So I can't afford to be angry when I preach. And you can't afford to be angry when you lead in the environments God's called you to be. All the people in your tree or sphere of influence are affected 
when you go negative, when you tear down people. Again, no nudge zone and don't think about the person next to you. Think about you. What have been the content of your words? And how have they affected your friendships? You see, friendships, when they're going well, they're some of life's greatest rewards. You're so blessed. You you understand the love of Jesus when you're loved like Jesus loves you. But on the other side, you certainly can know what evil is all about when a friend mistreats you. You know the hurt of rejection. You know the hurt of a critical family. See, friends build each other up. And your words need to give life. Words that build up are not forgotten. So therefore, therefore, encourage. Build one another up. Thirdly, how to lose friends, offend people, analyze them. Analyze your friend. You are the psychiatrist. And when something goes with your, just analyze them and Never go near them close. Just hold them at arm's length and and say, I don't know what's wrong with you. That really works. Inside marriage to build up. that What is wrong with you, woman? That really helps to tear apart your relationship. And we're called to accept one another. Matter of fact, Paul says in Romans 15, 7, it says, therefore, welcome one another as Christ welcomed you for the glory of God. In other words, based on the glory of God moving through your life, we're called to welcome one another. We're called to accept one another. And I would go, oh, but I would, I would have to really just tear apart my brain. I think people need to be like me before I accept them. No. Did Jesus? Did, were you like Jesus when he accepted you? No. You were in the depths of sin. You were an enemy of God. And Jesus loved you and died on the cross for your sins. If we're going to do that measure that we're, we've got to measure up and we fall on the grace of the gospel, that's inconsistent. That's not a Christ follower. We've got to welcome one another. As Christ has welcomed us. What kind of posture do you hold with people? Is it welcoming? Or is it a scowl? Just look at yourself in the mirror. Are you someone who looks friendly? Or you just have a scowl? Now a scowl can be where you just take some springs. You put it inside on your teeth. You just walk like this. No, I'm just kidding you. But you work on that. We've got to realize... Am I, when you're hurried, you don't show acceptance. You show distraction. So we've got to be people who understand it's not about me. We've got to get over ourselves and we've got to reflect Christ. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. I remember counseling a couple one time, and it wasn't in this church, so I'm not using any of you, okay? I was counseling a couple, and they knew the scriptures. They even, the husband went to seminary. They knew the scriptures very well, but he couldn't get along with his wife. And so I just pulled up Ephesians 4.32. I said, do you believe this is in the inspired word of God? 
that it has authority in our lives, not just to listen to it, but to change and transform it. And that when we read it, the Holy Spirit illuminates and everything. Yes, you had great lean in factor. It is the word of God. And boy, if anyone calls it not the word of God, get them. Okay, but okay. so do you believe this is true to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving? As God in Christ, do you fall on grace? Absolutely. It's not by my works. It's only by the grace of Jesus. Why don't you love your wife? Cricket. 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 See, we can know this, but when we don't follow it, we strip it of its transformation power in our lives. We need to accept one another and forgive one another. Versus analyzing people to criticize them and holding that up at arm's length. If you've ever been judged, you know what I'm talking about. We're called to accept one another as Christ has accepted us. And healing begins and walls are broken down when we operate with kindness and grace. When we lead with that. When we don't wait until people earn it or deserve it before we give them that. When we lead with that. And see what God wants to do. I'm put as pastor of this church in many different environments with people who believe like me and people who believe far from me. But it is my challenge in all my relationships to lead with kindness and grace, to treat people far better than they deserve. Because God treats me far better than I deserve. We're called to accept. And then if you want to lose friends and offend people, ignore conflict. Ignore conflict. We don't like conflict. Does anyone just love conflict here? I want to get to meet you, okay? Yeah, none of us like conflict. And a lot of us ignore it or we flee from it or we fight when it happens. And you know the words. And when I talk about conflict, you can tell me specific stories, which again, we won't do because it's Mother's Day weekend. We won't ruin the weekend on the conflict you've had with the relationships in your life. But why, why do you have to engage conflict? Because friendships endure. They, they get dirty from time to time. And they deal with the, the junk of reality so that they can grow deeper. See, I've found in, in conflict, conflict is a wall that I hit and, and it will stall a relationship and I will go around people if I ignore conflict. Look at what Proverbs says about it. Proverbs eighteen twenty four says, a man of many companion, companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks, sticks closer than a brother. The picture there is that that you can have your collection of friends, but when you go through a difficult time, when you go through conflict, that's a one person, okay? That one true friend sticks closer than a brother. Paul encourages the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 13, 7. He says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures. And then just underline that, all things. Not what you think you ought to do, but all things. It endures. See, my own life, if I don't want to deal with conflict and the relationship stalls, that's the depth of my love. That's it. See, if something's down here that I've got to deal with in my own life or that other person's life, and I don't want to grow, 
I can't go down there. And therefore, love doesn't grow. The roots of love don't go down there and deal with it. But when you go down there and deal with conflict and can resolve it with truth and grace, a relationship grows and it grows deeper, grows deeper. And your whole confidence in a relationship grows deeper because when you hit conflict again, you go, ha, we had conflict before and we dealt with it. And God showed us truth and he showed us grace and our love grew through it. If you refuse to, to have your friendships go with the conflict, you're going to have shallow friends. And they aren't going to reflect the love of Jesus. We have to learn how to endure with one another rather than just unfriending people on and off Facebook. We've, we're called to endure because aren't you thankful that Jesus endured with you? And don't you thankful he doesn't? I mean, I am far from perfect. Talk to my friends. <laughs> and their enduring with me has shown me Jesus's enduring with me. How to lose friends and offend people? Refuse correction. Refuse correction. Why? Because friends sharpen. Friends sharpen. See, look at Proverbs 12, 15 says, it says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. You know, when I've been corrected, I've rarely seen what I was doing as wrong. Rarely. I don't know about you, how you handle correction. But the reason correction makes me sometimes so offended is because I don't think I'm doing anything wrong. And so when I'm, corrected it's easy just to have a heart rate go up and to put up a wall but because i think it's right in my own eyes and and when i've been blind to things and i know this sounds like rocket science i just couldn't see it (laughs) you can't when you're blind to something you just can't see it you don't think it's wrong so when a friend calls you out on something or another friend calls you and you've got three friends calling you on something It's time to listen. It's time to listen and start accepting correction in your life. Because God wants to sharpen you with, with godly people. And wise people listen to advice. You're a better person because of the advice of people around you. Proverbs 15.31 says, The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Don't you love that? Life-giving reproof. That's what you want to do if you have to confront someone as a friend. To give them life-giving. That means truth and love together. Not just truth without love. Not just love without truth. When you use and balance both of those, you give life-giving reproof. And I even love how it's depersonalized in Proverbs 15. The ear. So if you're taking it personally, just listen. Put your ear there. And listen to correction. And and receive it. And alter a course. You have nothing to lose if friends love you. And they're calling you to correction. A true friend sees destruction. And loves you enough to confront you. And I know it's really easy. Oh, I don't want to offend. Meet with them. Truth and love. Because your friendship will grow. Especially when they listen. 
Look what Proverbs 27, 6 says. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Yes, people can just give you sunshine. And that's what we want. We just want people to accept us and love us and be really nice to us and never confront us and like us just the way and never have to change with anything that we're doing. And even if it's destructive, we don't want to be sharpened. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. I've had friends tell me some things that hurt me at first, but when I listened to it and changed, I look at them and I see them as some of the greatest blessings in my life. I'm better because of them. Rarely, rarely does correction come and hit you and everything's great in your life. That's why you have to be open to it. It's difficult. It's hard. Sometimes it's messy, but it's life-giving. Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. Yes. Have you ever heard iron being sharpened? It's loud. It's noisy. You want to cover your ears. But, but we're called into doing that to sharpen us in life. To sharpen us in life. And then this last one. This last one's not in your notes, so it comes at no extra charge because it's Mother Day weekend. And that is this. Stop listening. You want to lose a friend? Stop listening. And a side note, keep talking. Why? Because friends listen to understand. Sometimes uh, it's easy if you're not getting along with someone to just keep talking and to prove the point and to prove the point after the point. I don't mind the last word. It's usually the word after that that really bothers me. And so, so do you. You don't like that when someone keeps talking. Friendships, think about in, in speech, in conversation. How many times have I listened to understand? Do I understand this friend? When you get together, how many words do you speak compared to what they speak? Is it all about you or do you listen for them? You see, you want to leave a legacy for friends? You've got to stop doing something so that you can start doing others. Hi, I'm Joe and I'm a talker. I'm a professional talker, okay? They call me a preacher because I talk and I get the opportunity to talk unhindered. I mean, no questions for 30 minutes at a time, four times a weekend. I mean, I'm talking for two hours and I get paid for this stuff. So it's only likely for me to go home and just keep talking. And I've had friends recently who said, you talk too much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, after they picked me up off the floor. I started realizing, you're right. I don't listen. So I need that. And I can actually go all the way back to second grade when my teacher checked listens well on my report card. I've always had a problem doing that. You see, if I want to grow in my friendships, I've got to learn how to listen. Not just listen so that I give the blank stare, but that I listen to understand. James 1.19 says, brothers, listen to this, know this. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Proverbs 20 verse 5 says, the purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding draws it out. I've actually created a, an acrostic with this on how to lose friends and offend people. When you stay busy, 
tear them down, analyze them, ignore conflict, refuse correction, and stop listening, you're making a stairway right down to loneliness, isolation, cynicism in your relationships. And it's everyone but yours' fault. But the Word of God crafts us and calls us away to be available, to build up, to accept, to endure, to sharpen, to understand. Here's what I want you to do with this stuff. Don't think about anyone except yourself. If I were to ask you, which ones do you need to work on? Just one, maximum two. Which one would you circle? I got to do more work on this. Circle it. Don't let anyone see your paper, okay? Circle them on your notes. Which one do you need to work on? You know which one I needed to? I told you listens well. That was one of them. But refuse correction was another one. I had a friend, just as I was going over my notes, I sat down with him and I said, okay, I need to know from you, you're one of my best friends, which ones do I need to work on? I just love it. I kind of have a picture. And he called it, both of them. He said, when, when I give you some loving correction, I see your heart rate go up. I see your eyes get bigger. And I can read it all over you. You don't like correction. I said, yeah, my wife tells me that all the time. He says, but you need to know I'm one of your greatest fans. I want to be one of the greatest blessings in your life. And you have corrected me. And I've received that. And I want to be a greater friend to you. The other one is listening. I just got to work on that. I got to just, I got to install a zipper here somewhere so that I can listen. What, what's it going to be for you? Don't, don't worry about anyone else around you. Don't, you know, start one and hand it over to your wife or something like that, how she can be better. But think about the blessing of your legacy in these areas. And grow in your friendships. Think about how many of your friends will be affected by you loving them the way Jesus loved you and gave himself up for you. You see, I, I see deep relationships when we follow Jesus in the area with our friends. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that's so practical. And now, Lord, we know it. Um, It's your word. It's inerrant. It's authoritative in our lives. And so now, Holy Spirit, would you move it into applying that we would model the person of Jesus who we are all, your sons and your daughters. Help us to model you on how we love one another. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.